everybody. Welcome to Still Sober with John Rabin. This is episode 172, posting on October 13th, 2021. So I may uh, sound a bit different uh, this week, and it's because we've gotten some extra help in the warehouse. So I have somebody under me that I dictate to. It's like, I'm not their boss, but it's like I tell tell them, hey, this is what you need to do kind of a thing. Some would call that a supervisor. I don't, uh, I guess, but I don't feel like I have any power. I'm not paying the, the guy, but I went from talking to very, very few people. I mean, talking very little during the day to talking often to the, the new employee. And I think it's a, and I think, I think I'm i I'm a little hoarse. I was like, Oh my God, I'm actually talking a lot. Like I'm not used to it. I just normally, it's just my, you know, earbuds listening to ambient music or, you know, podcasts or, or whatever. And uh, now I'm actually talking to another person all the time. Ugh, whatever, man. Um, anyway, that's why I sound like this. It's not, I'm not getting sick. I'm just, uh, I'm talking more than I'd like during the day. Like, clearly, I enjoy talking. Just not at work. I don't know. It was interesting, though, because he started last week and on Friday, and it had been going all right. And by going okay, as in I I was showing him the better side of me most of the time. And it was at the uh, near the end of the day on Friday. It's like five o'clock. It's got one, we got like one hour left. And I just happened to look at like a look ahead. Normally I look ahead at the beginning of the week, but for some reason, and I'm not going to do it again. I've learned my lesson. But for some reason, I thought I would look ahead to see what how much work we had going and how much work I was going to have to put in next week. And I saw how much shit was coming down because this is a, this is a busy time for us. Um, and it put it kind of soured my mood. <laughs> so. Uh, so the new guy comes up and go, and just, you know, asked me, hey, uh, so what do you want me to do next? And I just, I sat there and I looked at him and I went, man, I don't give a shit what you do. <laughs> just the most, he goes, I'm like, this is nothing to do with you, man. You're doing a great job, but I've just got to let you know. I don't give a shit what you do for the next hour, whatever you want. I don't, I don't, I have lost the will to answer questions. That's really what it was. Like I just, and it was, it was interesting to be aware of it and to, but to, and also to clarify with him, hey man, you're doing a great job. This is not about you. This is about me losing my fuck 
to give with one hour left. It's just, a, you know, stick a fork in this week and this day. I'm, I'll, you know, it's just uh, good luck, whatever you want to do. And he's like, well, I, I, I guess I, uh, I, I could just make up the extra hour next week. I went, dude, I don't give a shit. I'm just telling you, I don't care what you do. Stay as long as you want. I'm not paying you. I don't care. So he got to experience that part of me. And then today it was respecting, well, hey man, how you doing? <laughs> Fine. So, I don't know. It's good to kind of slowly let somebody into how I work. Kind of like how I've, uh, you know, management has, uh, has learned how to deal with me, which is when I find out something I'm not fond of doing that I think is ridiculous by throw up a, a goddamn hissy fit about it and you do nothing. You just let me complain about it and, and explain why it's a bad idea. And then I'll tire myself out and then I'll figure out a way to do it and solve the problem. And it requires no action on your part as my supervisor. Your action is just to listen to me and go, yeah, no, no, I, that makes sense. Yeah, right. But you don't have to do anything. Don't have to make a decision. You don't have to uh, mediate between me and, you know, whatever inanimate object is making me angry. You just let me tire myself out with venting. And then my brain kicks in and I start solving the issue. After I reject it outright. You know, and just like, you know, fuck you and your company or whatever I do. And I just kind of go and then it just comes out and then it's gone. And then it's like, all right, all right, I'll get it done. And then I go away. It may not be the healthiest way of doing things, but it seems to work for me. And, uh, and as soon as management figures that out and they always do, they always go, Oh, right. I don't have to do shit here. That's right. He's just, he's just mouthing off. So anyway, yeah. Hope you're having a good week. If you're a sober person, I hope you're staying sober. If you're not a sober person, I hope you're staying sane. Um, any questions or comments um, that are positive to neutral, you can email me at stillsoberpod at gmail.com. Um, I think I'm doing all right. Um, My wife watches a lot of true crime YouTube, like YouTubers, um, just because of the you know the true crime uh, genre appeal. Women, women like enjoy it for some reason. Um, also, she likes storytellers of different kinds, but I've seen different different ones, and she she'll you know go through different ones that she, that she likes and doesn't like, and go oh not that one again, not you know that kind of thing. But it's weird. It's an interesting. It's kind of vampire like some of it. It's just uh, it's like whenever something horrible happens, you can see them 
talk about how awful this is and just, oh, Gabby Petito and, uh, you know, I, I feel for her family and, you know, justice for Gabby and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, just my heart goes out to them. Please like and subscribe. You know what I mean? It's kind of, it's, it's like, uh, oh, you know, her boyfriend that's on the run hasn't been caught yet. Drat, that means I can keep providing content until he's finally caught. I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable. It's weird. I like the... Uh, yeah, but that's the thing. So it's I, because they're real judgy and they're just you know, and they'll be like allegedly, but they're kind of eye rolling when they're talking about cases that haven't like finished. You know, sometimes it's about older cases and they're telling a story, but a lot of times it's about you know ongoing cases and stuff, and it's just like, it's just like a bunch of, bunch of. Women auditioning to be the uh, Gen Z Nancy Grace. That's what it's like. It's weird to me. I mean, not to say I don't watch dumb shit. Like, I watch reaction videos. That's fucking weird. It's, it's strange to watch somebody watch something for nostalgic purposes. You know, because it's always something you're reacting to. Somebody watching or listening to something that you already have seen and that you like. And it's one of those things where you want to, where you're taking, getting enjoyment from somebody enjoying something that you like. I don't know. It's, that's not strange. That's not as strange anymore to me. What is, is when people ask for money. It's like, hey, join my Patreon and give me money to wash things. And have my face go, what? You know, give me $10 a month to go, oh my God. And they have way more. That's the other thing is you see them do that. And then you see how many views they get and how many people follow them. And it makes you question why you do anything artistic whatsoever. Or fall autistic, you know. Technically autistic, uh, artistic, autistic. You know, it's autistic, really. No, but anything, it just, you know, why should I do comedy? I don't know. Just some kid reacting to Elton John. I've never heard. Who is this guy? 900,000 views. It's insane. It's, this, is the, this is the world we live in. All right, I'm sorry. I'll stop sounding like an old person. I can't, I don't understand what the kids are doing anymore. But their TikToks. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. There was a headline like two weeks ago. I just remembered it was the TikTokers unite to solve the Gabby Petito case. And I was like, really? I think the boyfriend did it. I don't think you guys need to join forces with your synchronized dancing and your interesting cuts where your clothes do weird things. I don't know. You don't 
you can tackle an, an, another um, issue out there, maybe. Anyway, um, so I almost retired from comedy. I was considering it. I was considering it because I've been, it's been on hiatus. I've been on hiatus. A lot of people take a break to figure out who they are as a comedian, as an artist or whatever. You know, what's my voice? What's my voice going to be on stage? Sometimes they take a break. Well, I know who I am. I took a break so that the comedy scene here in Austin could figure out who the fuck they were to see if I wanted to be a part of it. I still don't know. It's still kind of out there. I've, I've talked about it occasionally on, on here before, and, and, you know, whether you're interested or not, it's it's fine. It's It's been in a spot that's just kind of strange. It's, it's, it's weird to see it become what it's become. Uh, before the pandemic, I felt everything was kind of stagnant. It didn't feel like there was a lot of growth in the comedy scene. There were some some newer comics that were coming up that that uh, um, were close to being really good. Um, there were some comics that I liked that that were funny, but they weren't going anywhere necessarily. The problem here in this city is it sometimes it feels like. You're treading water, waiting for something to happen for you to take the next step in your career. When in fact, there is no thing that's going to happen other than you doing something about it. You know, creating a buzz. It's the, the, the way comedy, uh, your career works nowadays, it's, it doesn't, it's different, you know, with the internet, with YouTube, uh, with um, podcasts, with um, any kind of projects or anything else. It's a it's a whole other world. So I don't know how it works. And uh, and I got to a point and I realized that I don't care. You know, I'm 47, about to be 48 years old in uh, in just two weeks in nine days from when you hear this, assuming that you heard it when I posted it. From the 13th, uh, what? let me, sorry, sorry. On the 22nd, I'll be 48 years old. It's not like I'm, you know, I'm not up and coming anymore. You know, oh, is a rising newcomer to the, no, no, no. I am not a newcomer and I am not rising. I am sinking, maybe not, you know, like a, a, a brick, you know, thrown into a lake but I am sinking and I'm fine with that <laughs> so because the thing is that I saw you know you get to a I, I in my in my late 30s like I saw it I saw it happen sometime sometime in your 30s it hits you that you're not the hot you know hot shit anymore that it's the people that it's the people in their 20s it probably should hit you earlier in your early 30s but you're feeling yourself you've been doing comedy for at least 10 years at this point and you're starting to really hit a groove however you know 
ironically, around the time that you're getting better at comedy, you lose the little buzz that you have around you because you're not new. And it kind of, uh, and you feel like as you start getting older, you feel like you're, you're losing your grip on your, um, your fame or your power, which is perceived. There is no power in the comedy scene, in your local comedy scene, at least here in Austin. And you're like, fuck, I'm not the cool shit anymore. Now, all of this, like I said, all of this is perceived, but it happens. And it happened to me. And I was able to kind of let it go because I was really getting into heroin. So it was like, you know what? I've got a new project. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to go over here into this new project and, uh, you know, this will this will take a few years, but uh, it's going to invest all my capital into this thing over here. So, um, but the thing is that I'm seeing this happen to people who I don't think are very. Some of the same people, by the way, uh, that they're, they're millennials, right? So I got to watch millennials turn thirty, and they were not. They didn't take it well. <laughs> this, uh, it's did not take it well. So now they're that was a while back. Now they're late thirties, and they're realizing that they're not the hot shit anymore, and they feel like, you know, they're not happy with the way things are going in the comedy scene. Oh my God, Joe Rogan is here. All these other people, you know, just all this other stuff that's, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. That it, it doesn't affect them, really, if you think about it. It's, they think it does, but it's like uh, none, none of these people have a following. They, you know, it's not like they have, they have a fan base. It's just that they're hitting a point where they realize they're not hot shit anymore because they, this, they, they're aging out. They've got other things going on and there's way younger people with a hunger and a willing to do whatever it takes to get, you know, to get known and, and famous. And the problem is, is that once, once you hit your, in your thirties, you start losing that desire a little bit. Also, you're not naive and, you know, you're not you know, as hungry and naive as you used to be. So you're not going to go do dumb shit like, yeah, I'd love to do comedy in a laundromat and annoy people who are just trying to get their sheets dry, dry enough that it's reasonable that they can grab them and get the fuck out of here before this open mic continues. Like, you know, it's just all these bad ideas that, that you do when you in your twenties, cause you're, you're trying to get better. And, So I see people. So I see people that I've known for years, and they're not taking shit well. Um, they're, you know, they're real judgy, and they're not fun. And I totally understand it because I went through the same thing ten years ago. So I mean, I get it. I totally get what they're going through. I'm like, yeah, I, I saw that. I've done this. But that doesn't mean that I want to be be around them and do. You know, I don't want to do their fucking shows. 
and it's it's because they do the same shows. They have the, it's the same group of people. And they book each other, right? It's all local people, and they all book the same people. We all do the same shows, and they advertise it with everyone's names on it. But none of the none of us have huge followings, so it's like you're advertising a name, and it's like I, nobody knows who any of these people are. Nobody cares. They just go to a comedy show because they want to see comedy. You know, and there's no there's no out of town people being booked. There's no big names. You know, it's so so it's 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 weird. And it's just, you know, and I get and I was just getting tired of it. Because it's not, you know, and this is hypocritical because I I was also like this. But it's just kind of this sour, you know, grumbly ugh. I don't like anything new. I don't like, you know, any kind of growth in this scene or any kind of change. I just want to keep doing our same dumb shows, you know, without any growth or any kind of progress or anything like that. And, and like I said, I, I, you know, I totally understand where it comes from because I, I was doing the same, you know, I felt the same kind of way. Then I was getting burnt out right before the pandemic. Then the pandemic hit, the quarantine hit, and I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to disparage any kind of growth or new comics or any kind of things that just because I didn't like it or you know anything like that. I didn't want to shit on anybody else. I didn't want to grumble at any kind of change. I didn't want to do keep doing the same old thing. Um, you know, the whole, you know, quarantining and no comedy was actually great. It was a great break of, oh, yeah, I feel so much better other than like feeling like, you know, why aren't I more successful? That kind of the, the jealousy, that kind of stuff. And then just enjoying comedy for what it is and enjoying telling jokes when I can. And I just kind of, Figured out that I, I I was like, man, I don't, you know what? I've been enjoying my life and being, you know, enjoyed being married and a new job. It's like maybe, I think I've said it before. I said, you know, that uh, that need to feed my ego, whatever that was, I think, uh, I, think I cured that in recovery. <laughs> I don't, whatever that mental illness was that was driving me to do stand-up for, you know, whatever kind of narcissism I was feeding, uh, that seems to be gone. Maybe I don't need to do that, but that's not true. Uh, clearly, by doing a podcast every week, I do need the attention. So, but I but I had sit there and I was like, I don't want to do those kind of shows anymore. I guess I'm done doing comedy. That's kind of what I was thinking. Been thinking about that over the past couple of months. Been just kind of like, I don't know. I don't think I... Maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm just do, done doing stand-up. Maybe I'll figure out something else I'm gonna do, and I just won't uh, I just won't participate in any of these shows. And then I got a, a message from a younger comic, probably 22, 23, and he goes, "Hey man, you want to do my show? It's in a uh, it's at a uh, it's at a co-op 
on the UT campus. And I went, yeah, all right. So I guess I'm not retired. Because I immediately was like, sure. I think I just don't want to have to pursue doing comedy in a show I don't want to do. But if I'm offered something that I enjoy, which, you know, like you enjoy doing a co-op show? Yes. For some reason, my bitchy 47-year-old ass talking about heroin and alcohol and my generation um, really goes over well with 20 to 21-year-olds who are living in a co-op. I don't know why. I don't know why. But for some reason, I can just, you know, loosen up and, and not give a shit. And they like me not giving a shit. And they, they think I'm funny when I don't give a shit. So, yeah. So I did a show on Saturday night at a co-op. I discovered that I'm making a big change with my comedy. And that I am no longer going to memorize things. I'm done. You're supposed to memorize your material and not go up with notes because going up with notes is unprofessional. Well, guess what? I'm not making it famous. I'm not going to make it big. I don't care. It's hard to memorize all my shit. I'm not going to do it. So... And, and what you do is apparently all you have to do is you go on stage and call attention to the fact that you've got a notepad with your notes on it and how you're not going to memorize shit anymore because you don't care. And I got an applause break admitting that I didn't care about being professional. This is what I'm saying. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. <laughs> There's no rules. So I, I know I went really long on this, but I had to explain to you that there are, yeah, that this is what happened. I was going to retire. Then somebody goes, hey, you want to do comedy? I went, yeah. So I guess I didn't retire. I guess I'm just going to do comedy when I feel like it with, play, with, with you know, being around people that I, I'm fine with being around. Not just, uh, I'm not going to suck up to people I, uh, that irritate me. I'm not going to do the same old shows and do the same old kind of thing with people who are bitter, even though I used to be bitter, but I'm trying not to be bitter anymore and I feel pretty good. So I'm sure they find that confusing. How is John too good for us? It's John, that fucking cranky prick. I get it. No, for, for sure. I'm not saying I'm better than you. I just don't want to be around you. <laughs> Sorry, that's the way it is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if any of that made sense. And even if you don't know anything about uh, a scene of comedians and their mental illness and all that, it's almost the same. It's, it's like every scene, no matter what you're into. It's all the same. It's the same kind of thing. There's new people in, there's old people in, the, in your scene, in your whatever, your group your club, whatever, and the, you know, the changes and everything. It's all the same. I've seen it in AA groups. I've seen it in any kind of uh, organization, any kind of, you know, yeah, it's, it's the same kind of thing. It doesn't matter what it is. 
you just you deal with that and at some point you have to go yeah i know that you have perceived power and you think you're the city council of comedy but you're not nobody gives a shit about you you're you have no power so i know you're upset because you think you're losing the power but you never really had power so that's what i've been kind of dealing with and it and it's and it's weird because it makes you not want to participate but it it's not real so it's all about do you want to do comedy yeah then do comedy in the way that you want. Figure it out. You don't have to do the same things. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. So that's kind of what I went through. That's that's what I learned by having just uh, uh, a kid go, hey man, you want to do my show? Uh, yeah, all right. It's crazy. It's crazy what happens with just one little thing that answers a bunch of questions that I should have figured out on my own, but uh, but I didn't, so... That's what happened to me this week. I appreciate you sticking around to the end of this. Getting, you know, hope hope that made sense. Um, the TLDR. Doing all right. Feel pretty good. Thanks for joining me. Uh, this has been uh, Still Sober with John Rabin. I am still sober. It's working out all right. We'll see you next week. Later. Later.